Howdy, y'all, and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host, JJ Derez, coming to you from Dallas, Texas, deep in the heart of Texas. And of course, with me is Double A Arif. We're going with Double A now. All credit due to Patrick Stedman. That's the guy behind the controls. But Arif, how you doing today? Time to talk some more Avs preseason hockey, baby. I'm doing well. I hope you're going to enjoy the snooze fest that is preseason games out in Dallas on Thursday, the same way that I have the last two games. Although I will say the Landis God Kadri thing was a lot of fun. But other than that, man, preseason hockey gets boring real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it's losing preseason hockey, right? I mean, that's that's frustrating to see because, of course, you're cheering for the avalanche, but you have to be realistic and understand, okay, they're in Minnesota with basically the Colorado Eagles out here playing against the Minnesota Wild. And then, you know, you don't love to see the Vegas loss, but at the same time, again, you don't have your full lineup. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers here and something seems off. I see the avalanche have played four preseason games, but they've surrendered 323 goals against already. Is that number right? That's what it seems like, but (laughs) that's what I'm seeing here. That's what it looks like they've allowed in these last four games. So we're ready to the regular season to see if they can cut that number at least in half to like the hundred range in four games, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you look at goals against, you got to look directly at goaltenders, right? And that's kind of the panic going around in avalanche land right now. Uh, Of course, Pavel Francis leaving the game leaving the game last night for uh, a little injury. But before he got injured, you know, I don't even think he was looking too encouraging, right? I mean, it's kind of been the same thing for the last two games. He gets scored on pretty early, and and I'm not saying he played terrible by any means, but even before the injury, you weren't seeing much progress uh, that you'd like to have seen. Yeah, so the first game that he played, it wasn't the best. The very first Avalanche uh, game against Vegas on the road, this past game, I mean, he he faced 12 shots. He let in two goals, but he didn't look terrible. He looked better. He seemed like he was kind of starting to get his feet wet before the injury happened. The real little weird tweak, whatever's going on there. But uh, I'm still not concerned about his play. If he's healthy, I'm not concerned about his play because I think there is still a lot of cobwebs that he's shaking off right now, man. It's been a while since he's played in the bubble against Arizona and Dallas. You know, that was August of last year and we're in October of the following year. It's It's been a while for him. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I, watching that game yesterday too, there was a point early on when I think it was Carrier ran him, right? And then Dan Gilbert tried to fight him and just went crazy and Dennis Gilbert. Dennis Gilbert. And, uh, just, yeah, Ron Gilbert. Ron Gilbert. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the refs were able to keep that one separated. And then in my head, just like you were talking about last podcast, I was like, calm down, Gilbert, before you get a 10-minute misconduct and get tossed, uh, just like we saw from Landeskog a couple games ago. So um, yeah, Carrier runs him. You get a little nervous, but he pops up. He's fine. But then later on, uh, you know, he, it was kind of unprovoked, which is, again, a little bit frustrating there. It's not what you want to see again. It's going back to that first preseason game where you saw Landis God sort of getting in there and and, and trying to fight Ryan Hartman and the Nazem Kadri play where he got hit a couple times. It's not what you want to see happen in a preseason game, especially when it comes to, I mean, with the Landis God and Kadri thing, Bednar straight up shut me down as soon as I asked him if that was what he wanted to see. And he said, yes, I'd, I want no passengers preseason or not. But your goal to getting run, you don't want to see that ever, especially in the preseason. So that seemed like... Frankie was able to kind of do the thing that goalies do where they turn over because their pads, they don't want to get their legs or skates stuck under them. And he did that little turnover and he landed softly on his on his stomach and uh, was able to come back from that. And he was fine. Dennis Gilbert obviously wanted to take matters into his own hands. And that dude is I'm I'm 
side note, I feel like if the Avalanche knew that they had this from Dennis Gilbert, they would not have traded for for Curtis McDermott. But we'll get to that. But Francis felt fine after mm-hmm. that. The little tweak, whatever was happening there, it must have just been some sort of a spasm or a tweak of some sort. Uh, because obviously, you know, the grade A reporting that I did today in the morning didn't seem like it was as serious as we had initially thought. Yeah, grade A reporting, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't want to speculate on the injury by any means. The only thing we do know, I, just the, the reason I don't want to speculate on it is because I put myself in that position, right? All he's doing is a simple slide to the post and a reverse VH, and I just can't fathom exactly what he tweaked because, I mean, that's a move that goaltenders do all the time, and it should be completely fine whether it's an ankle, knee, groin, or hip. I don't know what it could possibly be at. So my hands are up in the air. I don't want to speculate. But the one thing we do know is that it's not the hips. No, it's not. Jared Bednar confirmed to us yesterday that it has nothing to do with the double hip surgeries that he's had. Uh, The way that he explained the injury was, oh, we know it's lower body. And uh, he went into the post strong there and twisted a little bit, which is exactly what you see in the replay. If you go look at it, he went into the post a little bit strong. He twisted and then... He just kept that leg down on the ice and signaled to the ref to blow the whistle and, and was done. Like he he had to get up. But the 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 thing that was kind of interesting to me is even after the 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 save was finally I mean, he had to make a save to get the 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 whistle blown, which I know it kind of seemed like the ref just wasn't blowing the whistle for him, but there was a bit of a miscommunication there, a language barrier. Uh that's what Jared Bednar had explained because he heard that from the official. Um but even after Francis made that save and he went down, it didn't seem like he was writhing in pain. It just felt like he was kind of like something was hurting him a little bit. There was something there that was just aching him and ailing him. Uh, Bedner did confirm to us because this was exactly the halfway point of the second period. It was nine minutes and 49 seconds into the second period, which is usually around the time where you change out your goalie. But Bedner confirmed to us post game that Frankie was scheduled to play the whole game. This wasn't a matter of playing him and Johansson half and half. Francis was supposed to play that whole game and he did not. So it seemed like it was a precautionary thing because when he left the ice, he skated off on his own accord. Nobody had to help him. The trainer didn't have to help him. Players didn't have to hold him up. He skated on his own. He obviously was not on the bench for the end of the game. So that's a little bit of a red flag. And then when we asked Jared, that's what he told us. When he asked Nazem Kad, when we asked Nazem Kadri about the injury, he said, we obviously don't know the diagnosis yet. We're wishing for the best. Maybe he just needs a few days rest. So when Kadri says that, that to me, the first thing that I thought of in my mind was Frankie was in the locker room when the players came in for the second intermission and at the end of the game, and they probably came up to him and gave him a fist bump like, hey, we're here for you. What's going on? And Frankie just gave him the, yeah, I'm okay. I'll be good in a couple of days. Like, that's what it seems like to me, that Kadri broke that news without realizing he was breaking that news. And then seeing Francis walking this morning kind of confirmed that to me. It didn't look like he was somebody that, you know, was injured. The Kadri statements, I think, stand out to me because it makes complete sense and maybe something we just kind of forgot to consider, right? I mean, he's been injured. He told us at training camp that he hit the ice for the first time the day after the Avalanche were eliminated from the playoffs. So probably since that day, he's been going 100% trying to recover, right? He's probably been lifting weights vigorously and doing stretches vigorously and just putting a toll on his body that perhaps, you know, a little bit too much to try to get ready in time for the NHL season, right? Just trying to expedite that process and make the whole thing quicker. Yeah, and and who knows what it could have been today, but it just it seems like it was something that could have happened to anyone. It didn't seem like a, this is a microscope that we have to look because he was coming off of an injury. This could have mm-hmm. been something that happened. I mean, this could be something similar to why Kale McCarr still hasn't 
taken any contact in practice and why Jared Bednar again reiterated yesterday that there's nothing to worry about there. He's on he's on track to play one, if not two, of the preseason games against Dallas. So you might see him out there in Dallas tomorrow, Thursday. You might get to watch Kel McCarr play, or maybe he'll be Saturday at Ball Arena. But that's kind of what we what we heard from Jared about Kale, and that's kind of the same idea that I'm getting with Frankie. Maybe it was a little bit more of just a precaution rather than an actual injury. Well, let's get into the report that you gave us all on Twitter this morning. Break it down for us. What exactly did you see, and uh, you know, I guess how are you feeling after seeing it? So, all right, so I was out in Cherry Creek this morning. As many of you know, I obviously have a second job that I've plugged a couple times in here. I'm opening a boxing studio out in Cherry Creek. So I had a table set up right in front of Clean Juice. Pavel came out of his car. When he first came out, I was about 99% sure it was him. And then as he was walking into Clean Juice and past my table, he looked at me and stared at me for a solid three, four seconds. Like, I know who you are. And I looked at him, smiled, and we kind of gave like a hey, hello to each other, which confirmed that it was him. It was Pavel Francouz. He knew me. I knew him. He walked into Clean Juice, grabbed something, walked back out. Uh, no boot, no brace. Uh, he was wearing slippers, so it didn't look like he was wearing anything that was hindering his movement in his legs, in his hips, in his knees, and his ankles. He wasn't jogging or running to his car. He was walking. I didn't tweet this part, but the slightest, like the ever so slightest of like a little limp in his leg, you know that feeling where like, you just had a really good leg workout and you're just like, I'm kind of a little bit sore. That's all I noticed in him because when I knew it was him, when I realized it was him going in, it clicked in my mind. I was like, this isn't just Frankie. This is Frankie that left yesterday's game with some sort of a lower body injury. When he was walking back out to his car and I gave him another wave as he was getting into his vehicle, there was nothing there. So that's what I saw this morning. It seems to me like I obviously I followed up with the avalanche to see if there was anything they could confirm uh, more or less not for them to confirm anything because the team's not going to confirm anything on a day off. But it was more of like a common like a like a courtesy check to let them know, like, hey, just so you know, uh, as a journalist, I just ran into Fran Francis in Cherry Creek and I'm going to be tweeting out that this is what I saw. Can you confirm or deny? They said we can't confirm or deny. You'll hear more from Jared tomorrow. I did my due diligence. That's all it is. So. That's what I saw today. It was Pavel Francouz, and uh, it kind of goes back to what Kadri said. It kind of goes back to the whole thought of it just maybe being a precaution. Um, he seems like he's okay. Is he going to be ready to play tomorrow? I don't know. Is he going to be ready to play Saturday? I don't know. Is he going to be ready to be the backup on opening night a week from tonight on Wednesday? Who knows? But it doesn't look like a serious injury as we may have initially thought. Well, fingers crossed that you're 100% on that because you know what I saw from Johansson was in all honesty, kind of the old Johansson, right? The Johansson that we kind of feared coming in here that we heard from Buffalo wasn't a very good goaltender. He proved us wrong a couple times later in the season, but I just, I, I still can't buy into Johansson being an NHL goaltender. So, you know, we need Francis to be back to as close to 100% as physically possible by this time next week because puck drops in exactly seven days for the regular season, Arif. Yeah, the funny thing about Jonas Johansson is that it's so predictable. You know when Jonas comes into the net, he's going to allow a goal in the first minute or two that he's there. He allowed a couple of them today. That was kind of the running joke last year when he first came in, and then he settles into his own. And Bednar even said after the game, like, he's, you know, he came in cold, he wasn't supposed to play, so on and so forth, and yada, yada, yada. But it's it's the exact same thing we kind of were seeing last year where it takes him a second to kind of get settled in. But if he could just get through those initial few minutes and just not let in any bad goals, then 
you know, he can be the goalie that he was last year, who was a 913 save percentage. But I mean, in the end, look, Jonas Johansson is fine to use in a pinch, but that pinch is, you know, when Frankie needs a week off and is walking around Cherry Creek without a boot or a brace. But if Frankie's in a boot or a brace or Frankie's, you know, not even able to walk around because he's rehabbing from anything, then you might have to go back out into the market and hope you don't end up with somebody like Devin Dubnik again. It's 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 a rough situation for the Avalanche to be in that, you know, like many teams, obviously, if you lose a goalie, you're kind of screwed. Well, luckily, clean juice sounds like a healthy place and whatever he was putting into his body is probably helping him recover. It is absolutely delightful. They are awesome. No free ads, but they're awesome. They're they're hooking us up at Rumble, so they're great. It's not really a free ad. <laughs> um, so I wanted to look at, I guess, you know, now what what does Jared Bednar do traveling to Dallas tomorrow, right? Because we've seen so far in the preseason, as is tradition, uh, that the lineups that go on the road aren't exactly the strongest lineups, and you don't tend to see the stars playing, right? You don't tend to see the starting goalies. But with two games remaining, I guess... In Dallas tomorrow, what kind of lineup are you expecting to see? Do you do you think Kemper gets a full game here to finally get 60 minutes under his legs? Do you see some of the top-line guys travel to Dallas? What are you anticipating here? Purely guessing. Well, since you were out traveling to Dallas for that game, you you missed the Jared Bednar press conference, but it's okay because we got you out in Dallas for the game tomorrow. That's all that matters. But he did say yesterday after the game uh, that the game in Dallas is going to be mostly young guys, mostly guys that aren't going to play opening night. And then the game Saturday, as you would expect, the last preseason game is going to be where you see a lot of the regulars. So looking at the Avalanche roster after yesterday's uh, roster moves where they sent down Oscar Olison, shout out to him. We got to give him a quick shout out for having an excellent camp. He's going to be a beauty of a player in the future. He's going to the Barry Colts. That being said, do you think maybe they sent him down just a pinch too early? I mean, of course, we all knew he was going to be down eventually, but he's kind of proven himself so far up here. Yeah, no, I mean, at this point, if you're if you're at the point of the reg- of the preseason, because Olsen played three preseason games, I believe. If you're at the point of the preseason where you're just trying to get those final finishing touches on your roster, it's like, all right, we, we saw what we needed to see from you. We know we got a player. Go on and get ready for the OHL. Prepare for that training camp. Prepare to get ready to go. And the other guy was Andreas Wingerly, sent down to the AHL, to the Eagles. Uh, I'm still on that bandwagon i love that kid he's so fast he's so energetic he's a little fireball he's like five foot nothing nothing hundred and nothing pounds and he's just he's a lot of fun to watch so he's going to be fun with the eagles i'm excited to see him so with those send downs and jordan gross uh clearing waivers and also getting sent down to the ahl the avalanche are at 35 there were some guys added to the waivers today but you're you're getting to that point where it's less than two rosters worth of players you've got seven or eight or nine cuts you got to make left uh, or sorry closer to 10 or 11 cuts you got to make left between forwards and defensemen uh, and then obviously another cut on goalies which is going to be Johansson unless Francis is injured so we're getting to that final bit of that final stretch run you're going to see a lot of the guys tomorrow in Dallas you're going to be watching that game with a lot of guys that are not going to be their opening night and then on Saturday at Ball Arena that's where we'll see a lot of regulars that's kind of what my uh little niche has been these last couple weeks is just checking lineup versus lineup in these preseason games and just easily being able to tell which team's about to win, right? And all that's done is give me some good travel money here while I'm here in Dallas. So the way I did that was on DraftKings Sportsbook, Arif. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you've downloaded it yet, but if you haven't, just know that DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer. Every football fan should jump on. 
New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 zero to zero tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. I love that feature. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Classic parlays, right? Man, you get you get really amped on those odds. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Easy peasy. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS to bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Arif, I know it took everything out of you to not get into the actual lineup, and you saved it for me. Thank you so much. So let's get into it now. There's multiple cuts to be made. There's really only, what, two available spots, possibly three, depending on the way you look at it. But with Devon Taves hurt to start and still needing somebody to fill that third line role, I guess, what are you uh, looking? Let's start with the forward bunch here. What are you looking at and what are you anticipating? So let's start from the top. We got 20 forwards left on the roster. We know who most of those guys are going to be. Like Landis Gog, McKinnon, Rantanen, those are three. Nichushkin, Kadri, Burakovsky, that's three. Jost, Comfer, Helm, Maltsev, O'Connor. I'm going to go ahead and assume Maltsev is a, is a, is a shoe-in to make the roster. So that's 11 forwards. Now you got nine guys left. We saw earlier this morning or this afternoon, Wednesday, that Sakura, Sherwood, and Mateau were all, sent down, were all placed on waivers. I assume if they clear waivers tomorrow, they will all be sent down. So if you subtract those three guys, you've only got six names left. You have to fill the third line left wing spot with Jostin Comfer or center spot, just depending on who it is and where Jost plays. Uh, and then you got to fill the 13th forward spot. And here's the six guys up for it. You got Newhook, Ranta, Kaut, so three young guys, Bowers, a fourth young guy, Megna, who's an older veteran in his 30s, and Anisimov, who's an older veteran in his 30s on a PTO. Who's going to get that spot? We all thought it was going to be Newhook. It's kind of a little bit more up in the air right now. Uh, last episode, my tune changed to Sampo Ranta, pretty much being a shoe-in. But after his performance yesterday, getting a shot with Rantanen and McKinnon on the top line, not really doing much with it. The game before that, Newhook scored. Maybe Newhook's back in the running. So I'm I'm kind of stuck between the two of them. I really like the idea of Shane Bowers. I don't think he's there just yet, but I think he's going to play a lot of games this year, 20 or 30 of them, just an injury replacement, and then obviously making an impression. Uh, Megna's going to get sent down to me. Kaut is going to get sent down to me. Anisimov, to me, is the perfect 13th forward. So if you ask me who's going to be that last spot, it's going to be between Newhook and Ranta. If I had to pick a name right now out of the hat, I would say probably Sampo Ranta because that even gives the ability for Newhook to play center down in the Eagles to start the season, even if he ends up playing wing with the Avs. And if we saw at the beginning of training camp, Newhook was between Jost and Comfer. I'd rather Jost playing that third line center spot. So it gives Ranta the ability to play wing. It gives Jost the ability to play center. And it also gives Newhook the ability to get his uh, reps in as a centerman in, in pro hockey with the American Hockey League with the Eagles. So I would say Ranta, but Newhook wouldn't surprise me. And then the 13th forward, you're not going to keep Bowers or Cout on the roster. 
just to sit them on, you know, on the bench in the press box every single game. And Nisimov to me seems like the perfect kind of guy to sign a contract and be that 13th forward. If the Avalanche choose to not go that route, then it'll maybe it'll be Jason Megna. I just I don't see a point in having either of Newhook, Ranta, Bowers, or Kaut be your 13th forward and just sit there and not play games. Yeah, I think I'm in full agreement with you. First, I got a shout out to he who has cats for calling us out from the last podcast saying that Anisimov was a good face-off man. Um, it turns out he's not. And for that reason, you know, I don't know what he really has to offer. You know, I, I, after watching his game for a couple weeks, I get it. He's a body. You're going to need bodies this year. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to really limit his ice time if you do give him some minutes. Um, with Cal, you know, I've heard through the... I, uh, I, I hate to cut. I hate to cut you off, but you know what? You, I mean, I do it a lot. But <laughs> you want to know why Anisimov's there for me? Because Valerie Nichushkin needs more Russians in the locker room. The guy can't be there alone. Mikhail Moltsev is there too now, but Nichushkin just needs another Russian because of the language barrier. Because he's kind of to himself. He needs another Russian in the locker room, and Anisimov seems like a good veteran leader. Okay, well, before That's I... That's just an opinion. Before I go on on the other guys, let's get into Maltsev a little bit. I guess, what what have you liked about his game? Because I, he, to me, he looks like a Nichushkin when he first got here, right? I mean, there was that opportunity last night that we saw that he had about three or four solid chances to bury it, and he wasn't able to. Um, you know, I think there's he shows promise, but I'm not sure I'm completely sold on what he has to bring yet. He doesn't have any... He doesn't have much speed... Uh, but he's a smart player with the puck. So, damn. I mean, like, you got it spot on. He reminds me of Valerie Nichushkin before he started to kind of figure things out with the Avalanche, and that's the kind of player that I see with him. He's a good two-way forward. He's going to kill penalties. Uh, he's Matt Calvert-Light, and I'm not just saying that because he also wears number 11, but he's Matt Calvert-Light without the physicality and the fight and the, and the fight that Calvert has at the end of every whistle, at the end of every shift. So... I think Maltsev's a good player. He's going to be good on the penalty kill. He's going to score some goals. He'll score some shorthanded goals. Hopefully, he'll bury him. He had that breakaway last night on the shorthanded play, and he was unable to score that. But I don't mind him. As of this point, I don't mind him. I think he was a good pickup. He's 23 years old, and the fact that the Avalanche got him and a second rounder, which ended up being the defenseman Sean Behrens that's going to DU and playing for the Pioneers, for Ryan Graves, who they were going to lose in the expansion draft anyway, is just solid work by Joe Sackick, and I'll, I'll keep going back to that. I think Maltsev's going to be a good depth guy, and I think he's going to be a regular in the lineup. Now, let me backpedal back to the young guys we were talking about. Uh, I'm with you with Bowers 100%. I, I just don't think he's shown enough to really stand out and make himself a necessity. With Cal, uh, kind of the same thing, right? We kind of saw him get injured the other day as well, so maybe a couple steps backwards for him there. He was fine. He, he came back to the ice. Uh, I think it was a day later. Um, but I've heard through the, the grapevine, you know, I, I'm not sure how credible these sources are, but it's just a rumor I've heard that Jared Bednar doesn't really like Cout's game all that much. And that's why I think we continually see him not get an opportunity with the NHL team. I just don't think Bednar believes in what he has to offer. But that's where I want to get into Newhook. Let's zero in on Newhook and Ranta. And I think if you're Jared Bednar and you kind of publicly come out and say, I, I need a little bit more out of Alex Newhook, he kind of has been slipping. And then Alex Newhook steps up and plays better and plays impressively. I think in Jared Bednar's eyes, that scores major, major points. So um, I like your idea of Newhook maybe playing center in the AHL and getting a little more reps there. And Ranta kind of seems to have earned that spot. But looking at their their ceilings, at their peak, if Newhook's playing his best and Ranta's playing his best, who would you rather have on this team? 
It's absolutely Newhook. Ranta's going to be a goal scorer and a good player on this team for many years, I think. But it's absolutely going to be Newhook. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think, I, I mean, it's it's tough because we've seen so little from Ranta, right? I mean, at, at least I have. I haven't really watched many of the Colorado Eagles games from last season. So all I've seen is what I've seen in training camp. And I think, yeah, he has a lot to offer, but it's about consistency, right? If if Ranta seems uh, to, to be able to provide what he provides on a regular basis and Newhook constantly is this up and down guy, then yeah, eventually I think Ranta takes the reins there and is the go-to guy. But for now, I think you stick to Newhook. The thing is for Newhook for me is the reason why you can go with him. I mean, number one, yes, he did respond. And if you kind of can tell, I changed my tune from the last episode where I was very much hell-bent on Ranta's going to make it and Newhook isn't. Uh, one game makes that much of a difference for each of them. They didn't play in the same game together, but Ranta looked not so... Ranta didn't have the best game on Tuesday. Newhook had a hell of a game on Monday and scored the only avalanche goal in a game where... They were completely outmatched and overmatched. The Avalanche played a ton of rookies against a team that was playing a ton of regulars. So the other thing is with Newhook, other than that performance, is this is a guy that every level he's gone to, he gets there, he plays, he scores, he excels. So what's to say he's not going to do the same in the NHL? He got a taste of it last year and he looked pretty damn good. He didn't have a lot of points, but he didn't play a lot of minutes. So what's to say he's not going to come in and do the same? My whole thing with the conversation of him not starting last Saturday and the conversation of potentially putting Ranta over him isn't that Newhook is a bust or he's not going to make it. It's if you're a 20-year-old kid, you need to have a hell of a training camp to come in and basically say, like, I earned the spot. It wasn't guaranteed for me. You know, you're not... Uh, Tyson Jones and JT Comfer and Logan O'Connor even who are in that in that position to say like I basically there is nothing JT Comfer can do in training camp that's going to make Bednar be like send that guy down we're going to start mounting Martin Cout over him like that's not going to happen so for Newhook it's basically trying to send that message to the young kid like this is not a roster spot that you've already earned and it's not going to be given to you but what I saw on Monday was a player that is trying to earn that roster spot and might have the edge on Ranta just based off of how they played Monday, Tuesday. There's still two more games for my tune to change. Ranta scores four goals over the next two games. New hooks a minus five. It's going to be an easy decision there for Jared. It's not going to be a hard one, but we'll see where it goes in the next couple of games. But right now, yeah, I feel like New Hook would be the better option just because he is going to be the better player. Yeah, I just know Jared Bednar is not going to have the patience to call him out three or four more times during the season. So he's going to have to keep that high level if he wants to stay around, right? I don't think... Uh, I don't think Bedner would put up with that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So we'll see what happens here in the next couple of games. If the preseason ended today, Wednesday, and it was opening night today and the Avalanche had to make a decision, I think it would be Newhook. If it was Sunday that the Avalanche had to make a decision, as in like three days ago Sunday, I think it would have been Ranta. What happens this upcoming Sunday after the final two preseason games will be determined by what happens over those next two games. So it's, you know, it's it's the preseason. It's what's going to happen. The, the competition is going to go up and down game by game. It's going to determine what ends up being the case. Yep. So something that we definitely all have to keep an eye on in these next two games against Dallas, one away and one at home. That's something I was thinking about recently too, right? Uh, while these guys are all your teammates, they're also your competition. So it's got to be kind of a weird dynamic during preseason because, yeah, you want to make a pass and make a play and show how good you are, but you're also probably thinking a little bit selfishly and want to shoot the puck and, and bury a few, again, to show your value. So I, you that's, know. that's the thing. In, 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 in the, the eyes of NHL coaches and GMs, 
if you're going to be selfish and take a shot, I mean, yeah, you might score, but what's your shooting percentage? If it's lower than 20% and the coach th- feels in their mind that you should have passed the puck, well, now you've lost a ton of points in their eyes. So it's it's a very it's a very fine line because, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, if you're new hook and you want to you know, be the playmaker that you can be and you set up Ranta for four goals, you're not going to be sitting there thinking, damn it, I just got Ranta four goals and now he's going to beat me for the last roster spot. You're <laughs> thinking, I'm new hook, I'm killing it. I've dished out four primary apples that are going to earn me a roster spot. And that's all you worry about is your game. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, that being said, let's look at the defensive group and kind of check on the competition going on down there because as we expected, there's one open spot there as well and probably another space for a player to be scratched and watched from the press box, probably with Anisimov, like you were saying. So let's look at the defensive group and what we're heading, what we're looking like heading into the final two preseason games here. So this one is a little bit more difficult for me to predict because there's only one name on this list where I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe it's not them. Everybody else, I'm like, yeah, this could be them. So starting from the top unit, and these pairs are not set in stone, just like the line combinations that I gave out. Gerard McCarr, Byram Johnson, and then you have a big old fat question mark playing next to Ryan Murray. Who's that question mark going to be? Well, you got five guys. You got Jacob McDonald, Dennis Gilbert, Justin Barron, Jack Johnson, Curtis McDermott. Jack Johnson has been the one that's been getting the most looks there. He's also not under contract. He's going to have to sign a P, uh, sign a contract out of his PTO like Anisimov. He's had a better camp than Anisimov. He's been a lot more underwhelming lately than he was in the beginning of preseason where he was kind of like earning that spot almost immediately. But then you got the other four guys. Jacob McDonald was pretty much as close to a fringe become a fringe player becoming an NHL regular as there was on the Avalanche last year. He was kind of the Logan O'Connor of defense. The guy that you knew should be playing regularly, but there just isn't room for him. Obviously, Logan O'Connor ended up getting injured, but if he was healthy and Calvert was healthy and Belmar was healthy and everybody was healthy, O'Connor would be sitting on the outside looking in, kind of trying to wonder when he's going to get his chance. That's what I felt McDonald was last year. So he's a big big possibility there. You got, obviously, Jack Johnson. You got Curtis McDermott, who the Avalanche traded a fourth rounder for and uh, was brought in here for a purpose, and that purpose is to, you know, be a fighter to do do the fights. That's what Curtis is going to be here for, to do the fights. And then you got two more names. You got Dennis Gilbert and Justin Barron. Barron is the one that I think is the probably not him, but he's been damn good. This kid is almost ready to be a full-time NHLer. He's going to play with the Eagles, unlike uh, Fred uh, Oscar Olison, who had to get sent down to the OHL. Barron's going to be around in, in, uh, in Loveland with the Eagles. And he's right there to making it, but I think it's a numbers game for him. I think he's going to be on the outside looking in. And that brings us to Dennis Gilbert, who I mentioned earlier. This dude was an up-and-comer with Chicago. When the Avalanche acquired him in that trade with Zadorov and Brandon Saad, and they pretty much gave up Lindholm, Anton Lindholm for him, in my mind, I was like, wait, so the Blackhawks not only traded Saad for Zadorov one for one, they traded a potential NHLer in Dennis Gilbert for a career AHLer in Anton Lindholm. Sure, if that's what you guys want to do, and they didn't even like add a draft pick to it or anything. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Gilbert wasn't great last year. He obviously had that fight that led to a concussion, but he came back to training camp. Here's the number one thing that I noticed from him. A lot more physical, a lot more aggressive, a lot more confidence. Second thing I noticed from him, he came up to the media room to talk to media last week, and I tweeted this yesterday. The dude is jacked. 
He is an absolute unit. Like I'm not trying to over-exaggerate it. He's got the pecs, the shoulders, the biceps. Looks like he works out with Mark Bergevin in the summer. He just looks like an absolute <laughs> unit. And then I sat back and I'm like, if the Avalanche knew that this is what they were going to get from Dennis Gilbert, they wouldn't have wasted a fourth-round draft pick on the guy to do the fights in Curtis McDermott. They would have had Dennis Gilbert do the fights and still be a pretty good NHLer because Curtis McDermott doesn't have skill. He doesn't have speed. No disrespect to the dude after I bury him like that. Dennis Gilbert is a really good hockey player, and he can bring the fights now. So I look at Dennis Gilbert, and I look at what he was in Chicago. He fought Landeskog when he was with the Blackhawks, what he's been doing with the Avalanche. The way he's been on that upward trajectory kind of reminds me of Ryan Graves when he came into the Avs and was a nothing player that turned into what he is now. And I think maybe Gilbert's the guy that makes the team. So now you got McDonald, you got Gilbert, you got Jack Johnson, and you got the guy you traded a fourth for in Curtis McDermott. Who the hell is going to make this team? I don't know. Can you tell me? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think I'm leaning towards Jack Johnson and McDermott, right? Because we kind of have anticipated those guys to be the guys since the start of training camp. But you're right. Gilbert's making himself seen. Barron is making himself very seen and I you know everybody's rooting for him you hate to see him have to go down to the AHL but if anything we know the value of not burning players at ELCs too quick right I mean I always think back to Miko Rantanen's rookie year and he was down in San Antonio ripping up things and uh they refused to bring him up for that 10th game and just said you know he's good but I don't think he's going to make a difference for us this year let's not burn his ELC so seems to probably be a, a similar thought process with Baron since you do have guys up there Correct me if I'm wrong. Miko Rantanen's rookie season, I think Patrick Wall played him at center. I, I don't remember that exactly. I don't remember that. I just remember him. I remember him playing on a line with Carl Soderberg and Borna Rendelich. And I think if my brain is not as scrambled as it might be, that he played center a couple times, but it was just that all European line. He looked terrible. He got nine games, and Patrick told him to take a hike before taking a hike himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Rantanen. Rantanen, exactly. So, uh, sorry, that threw me off. The Patrick Waugh imitations always get me. <laughs> That's all right. Well, let me keep my thought going then um, while you collect yours. One thing that we also know from Jared Bednar is he's anticipating to use a ton of guys this year, and you look at that top four with... Gerard, who nobody could catch him, so he's rarely hurt. But Makar, he's been in and out of the lineup since he got in the league. Byram, we saw with a bit of injury last season. So, you know, who knows if he re-aggravates something or if he might just end up being a little bit more injury prone because, because of his size and his youth. And then, of course, you got EJ, who could snap in half at any minute. So I think <laughs> there's a good chance we see all McDonald, Gilbert, Jack Johnson, and McDermott this season. I absolutely agree, and you might even get a little taste of Justin Barron, too, like you did with Ranta and Newhook last year and Bowen Byram earlier in the season last year. I agree with that. I mean, let's go back to what we've been saying that I've repeated an ample amount of times during the offseason. The Avalanche have the kind of defensive depth this year, and that was before adding Jack Johnson on a PTO, who's likely probably going to get a contract and be one of the guys, too. They have enough defensive depth to not have to play the Kyle Burroughs, and the Keaton Middletons and those kind of guys. They don't need to dig that deep into their depth chart to the guys that shouldn't be anywhere close to the NHL. We are talking about a competition between four to five guys. And let's take out Bear, let's just take out Baron just for the sake of this conversation. We are talking about a conversation between four guys to play opening night, only to know that once Devon Taves is healthy and if everybody else is healthy, you're not playing. 
And these are four capable NHLers in Jacob McDonald, Dennis Gilbert, Jack Johnson, and Curtis McDermott. If all four of those guys are in the lineup on the same night with Murray and let's say Bowen Byram, yeah, you got a problem. That's a big issue. But to have those four guys to be able to use as depth pieces, not if, but when injuries arise, is a hell of a lot better than where the Avalanche were a year ago. Those are the kind of players that at the trade deadline, teams trade a third or a fourth or a second or two seconds for just to be like, yeah, we need to shore up our defensive depth. And now the Avalanche suddenly have all these guys already from the offseason. So it's a good place to be in. I think we're going to see all of them. If I had to figure out, if I had to guess who was going to play opening night, I think it will be Jack Johnson. But before McDermott, I think the number two guy is Dennis Gilbert. And the reason why I say that is because I think McDermott's kind of got that seventh D-man spot locked up. And right now what we're doing is trying to figure out who's going to play as the number six D-man with Devontae's out. I don't think McDermott will slot in. I think he'll be the number seven either way. It'll either be Jack Johnson plays and Dennis Gilbert starts in the minors or Dennis Gilbert plays and Jack Johnson maybe doesn't get a contract. That's kind of the way that I see it. I don't see Curtis in the opening night lineup, nor do I think he should be in the opening night lineup with the other options out there. Yeah, I mean, it'll be wild to follow how this all develops, and I'm sure that the opening night of the playoffs, the roster won't be anything similar to what it is opening night of the regular season, but knock on wood that it's not too different, right? We don't want to... Well, we don't want anything bad going on, but of course, I'm not very hopeful. Realistically, and looking at this season for what it's going to be, a little bit different than the last two. Um, you know, you just gotta you gotta prepare for the worst, and I think that's what the Avs have done. Yeah, and that's what you got to do to win a Stanley Cup. You gotta you gotta be seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven defensemen deep, because that's what happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they were able to pull out the Luke Shens and the Zach Bogosians and all these guys out from their depth charts, and it it ended up paying off immensely. Got a lot of guys paid, too, afterwards. So if you're Dennis Gilbert, if you're Jacob McDonald, this is how you earn a contract in the future. Win a Stanley Cup as a depth defenseman. It's 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 going to price you right up the walls. Yeah. I think that uh that wraps up our defensive conversation there. And pretty much all we really have to talk about today on today's podcast, we're bringing you a short one midweek, get you prepared for the last two preseason games here, and then we'll be able to come and, and get you prepared for the actual season. So on the docket, that's all we got. Arif, you want to throw anything out there before we start to wind down and prepare our descent? You can tell I was on a plane recently, can't you? <laughs> that, that's it for the hockey talk. JJ's out in Dallas. He's going to be at the preseason game tomorrow. Uh, unlike him, I won't be going out for work, but I am going to be in Detroit for the weekend, but I will be back fresh and ready to go Monday for the Avalanche's practice, Tuesday for practice, Wednesday for opening night. You guys obviously know where to find me on Twitter. Get ready for the season because it's it's coming quick and I'm super excited. Two quick shout outs before we get out of here. I want to give one to Andy in Oregon and Jay Schultz in Denver who both requested that I send them calendars. So they're in the mail if they haven't gotten to you already. So thank you for your interest and just as easily you can get one too. So hit me up if you want any calendars and of course hit Arif, hit Arif up if you want to learn to punch people in the face. Well, Fortunately for me, because I don't want people to punch me in the face, the boxing studio I'm opening, we're punching bags, not each other. That's my selling pitch. And for those magnets, for first-time listeners, those are Colorado Avalanche schedule magnets with JJ's beautiful mug sitting at the top of it. Get one. It's awesome. I have one on my fridge, and I pretty much have the entire Avalanche schedule memorized at this point because that's how many times I open the fridge every single day. Those things are valuable. Let's get those passed out. Dang, you've got it on the inside of the fridge too? 
I mean, yeah, why isn't that where they go? <laughs> no, I got it on the outside, but the amount of times that I look at it as I open there, my eyes kind of follow it. Like we're playing Toronto when? Oh, wait, I'm here to grab an apple. <laughs> it kind of goes back and forth. Gotcha, gotcha. So, well, yeah, of course, thanks for hanging out with us on this quick hit podcast. Uh, you know, as always, let us know what you think. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your mom's friends. Tell your friends. Moms, tell them all. And, of course, hit us up on Twitter because we're there for you. So, if you made it this far in the podcast, it wasn't too bad on you, right? Just 40 minutes. Bless your heart anyway. Hockey's for everyone. And we at you.